Hi guys, welcome back. It's Jacqueline and Alana, and here's another episode of Black and Yellow for you guys. Hi, I'm excited about this episode. I am too. I was like knee deep, neck deep. Is that the phrase? <laughs> There's so many phrases scalp in my brain deep. right now. I was scalp <laughs> deep in research. There's just so many angles. There's so many perspectives. There's so much history. Yeah. Um, there's so many things I learned about government and how mm. things work that I was like, let me put my business hat on. Let me put my professional panties on and ooh, ooh, ooh. let me get on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, fair enough. It's going to be a, a, an information-packed episode for sure. Uh, that being said, if you're new to the show, kick back, relax, grab a snack, subscribe, uh, <laughs> and, and stay for a while. And if you're a return listener, we thought that was you over there. Come a little bit closer. <laughs> Thank you again for coming back and allowing us to tickle the, the inside of those eardrums. Yes. Um, get ready to be transported. I, I don't know if you've been feeling this, Jackie, but in prep for this episode... I feel like I have scratched a kind of wanderlust itch, mm. like an itch for travel and an itch to go someplace new through all of this lock-in quarantine. And yeah. um, well, because of our, our show topic today, I feel like I kind of traveled, even though I didn't actually leave my house. Right. Yeah. We'll <laughs> definitely be traveling here on Black and Yellow. We will be traveling oh, to yes. uh, a very, very unique place on mm -hmm. today's episodes um but before we get into that we have our put your money where your mouth is segment yeah. where Al alana and i highlight an asian-owned or black-owned female or not female business um mm -hmm. in the form of economic protest mm -hmm. shop yellow shop black support these small owned businesses especially with what's going on right now um, so my business for today, uh, when you think drinks mm. and Asian, okay. what do you think of? Soju and sake. All alcohol. And, uh, 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 singa beer. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I Pretend think. Pretend you're not over 18 or 21. Okay. I think boba. Oh yeah, ding 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 ding. Woo! So it's really cool. These this company actually started during this pandemic, which I think, oh. yeah, which I think just like we saw in the 2008 recession, you know, a lot of times when the economy falls, the it gives way to many startups, many you know I can't. I mean, there's a slew of things that happened during the 2008. Um, recession as far as businesses becoming successful and booming so i hope i'm pronouncing this right um i ran into them on instagram it's really cool it's called sammy but two m's and two e so s-a-m-m-e-e -E. and their instagram handle is drink sammy so what they discovered was that during this pandemic there was a, still a need to drink boba obviously duh hashtag boba is life the boba uh, shop by me is still cracking busy as they should be thank goodness <laughs> yes. so but for those of people who were you know being careful or didn't don't live in there's you'd be surprised right i live in the san gabriel valley but there are people places who don't live near boba shop they don't have the luxury to have a boba shop at the corner of their house alana um <laughs> <laughs> you've been robbed <laughs> so this company will send you a boba kit for you to make boba at home 
cool. It's really cool. They have different flavors. They have amazing, beautiful packaging, super easy, friendly directions. Um, from, you know, they have Earl Grey, they have the Jasmine, they have the Green, they have the the popular taro drink. Um, you don't necessarily have to obviously um, want it just for the boba, but I'm pretty sure you're you're doing it for the boba. Um, so, uh, yeah, check them out. They're on Etsy. They're on Instagram. Their website is drinksandy.com. They're Asian owned as they should be. I can't imagine white people selling boba. Um, that's serious (laughs) cultural appropriation to like the highest degree. The the highest degree of cultural appropriation is white people selling boba out of all the Yes, right up there with like white people teaching yoga, but like that's a whole different discussion for a whole different day. Right, we get really we get real here on Black and Yellow, you guys. <laughs> We're telling you the truth. Um, so check them out; it's super cool. They have wonderful reviews. I mean, it makes a great gift. Like people love, you know, like well put together gifts that you kind of have to yeah. have an experience with, and you get to make it with someone, maybe your lover, maybe your partner, maybe your cat. Um, so yeah check them out and let me know what you guys think i love that in in the the process of doing this segment i full-on feel like an alcoholic because (laughs) i know you (laughs) oh gosh sake soju lychee martinis (laughs) or what if you're not uh yet able to drink right okay so i know that our 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 products generally blend and i'm gonna try and link our two products together in reality very different. So once you get your boba, once you make it at home, you need to like sit someplace and enjoy it, right? Right. I mean, out in the sun would be like the best place to enjoy it. Yes. Of course, dear listeners, it's summertime. We're trying to keep the corona at bay. I also want to make sure y'all don't get skin cancer. So I'm actually going to shout out a sunscreen line Drink your boba outside, put on some sunscreen. Did that work? Yeah, okay, totally. Not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Obviously, when I think of boba, I think of sunscreen. Uh, d- so why would you not? Why would you not? <sighs> okay. And we are in summer. This. It's summertime. True. Um, I've actually mentioned this company on the show before, but again, it's summertime. I feel like I could reiterate it. I want to mm. spotlight Black Girl Sunscreen. Mm. Uh, I, we talked about them in our do black people wear sunscreen episode but hey it's it's, tis the season for spf so i'm talking about it again so uh this company was born in 2016 it was created by a couple of black women who felt that the sunscreen company totally overlooked them oh yeah we all know we all know sunscreen is also made by and for white people and and if you are not white, many can turn you white, like Casper the Friendly Ghost or the Phantom of the Opera. Right. <laughs> and you guys have, we all, we all have very different skin, so. Yes. And I love this one because it doesn't cast that sort of chalky white cast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it also uh, is made with all natural ingredients like carrot juice and jojoba and sunflower oil, so it's hella moisturizing it's cruelty free it's vegan it's also reef safe for all of you divers out there Mm. um and it doesn't feel like a mask i don't know like anyone's yeah yeah like Like, you can't breathe afterwards and it's weird because you're sweating in the sun but at the same time there's something that feels like it's blocking that sweat yeah like i think this is a great option for for people who don't like sunscreen this is a great sunscreen i don't like sunscreen 
Okay, this might be a great sunscreen for you. Really? It is tinted. <laughs> I will say that. I'm going to come out like five shades darker. <laughs> exactly. So maybe not, but like um, <laughs> if you are African-American and you need an SPF, which we all do, uh, check out Black yes. Girl Sunscreen at Black Girl Sunscreen on Instagram. Their highest SPF for adults is 30. They also have one for kids. So kids can stay like fly and not dry and not ashy. And they come all the way up to SPF. 50 and I will drop hmm. both of our companies in the show notes so that um, you can shop them all summer long. I also just want awesome. to say one thing just because I feel like talking about travel top of episode. I just want to clarify when I say travel for purposes of this episode, I mean like getting in that flying tube. Yeah. Like flying across the world. No right. shade to road trips. Like they they right. serve its purpose, but we're talking. I'm talking about foreign fucking travel. You're talking about crossing oceans. I'm talking about ch- different culture, different language, different food, and I'm the minority. Ooh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack, what are we talking about today? All right, kids. So uh, Alana and I, I okay. This has been going on for a long time. Maybe a couple hundred years or so, mm-hmm. we could say. Yep. Um, but I think it mostly started in 2019 with the heat of the Hong Kong protesters. Now, this episode was inspired and sparked by China's new national law that was enacted at the end of June. Um, and it will have a huge impact on Hong Kong. So today we're going to get into a little bit about the history of Hong Kong, what makes Hong Kong so special, the differences between mainland China and Hong Kong's government, um, very a lot of similarities between Hong Kong and the U.S., yep. surprise. Um, and just so you guys know, as far as terminology, I'm going to be using mainland or the mainland, or mainlanders in China, and China all interchangeably. So Mm -hmm. if you get confused, just remember that they're all one and the same. Um, And then Hong Kong's all there on their own. So, yeah. um, Shorthand for Hong Kong might be HK. Yeah, I might might even um, say HK a couple times, Mm -hmm. but um, just so you guys all are ready for the terms. So first, I wanted to kind of get into why Hong Kong is so special and why what's happening now is such a big deal. If you guys are listening to this and you guys can maybe put yourselves in the place of a Hong Konger um, or imagine something like this happening to us here in the U.S., or maybe it already has, um, but just kind of start to, you know, imagine yourself as these people and, and why it is so, so serious right now. So for 156 years, Hong Kong was a colony of the UK. And that's a long time. That's many generations. That's many people growing up and dying in 156 years. Mm -hmm. It also has one of the largest and freest economy in the world. If you guys don't know what a free economy is, it is essentially where supply and demand regulates production as opposed to the government. So there's very minimal government interference, which makes the economy so open and business friendly. And I think it's also what makes Hong Kong such a financial and economic powerhouse and why so many people are drawn to Hong Kong. Um, Even though Hong Kong is in China, um, there are many differences. So for instance, if you go to China, you can't use Google 
or Facebook or Instagram, um, PlayStation, Nintendo, none, none of that stuff that we get here, um, you can get in China. But in Hong Kong, you can't. Um, Hong Kong has its own passport. They have their own dollar. Um, you don't need a visa if you're an American to go to Hong Kong, um, unless you plan to stay there for more than 90 days, the 90 days rule. Um, so because Hong Kong was a UK colony, was under the UK power for 156 years, there is a huge influence of the West. So West meets East. And I think this cross-cultural way of living makes Hong Kong so unique and stand out from the entire world. America I think is so it's, progressive. It is, yeah. I mean, the infrastructure, the buildings, the design. Um, talk about, I mean, Milan and I are artists, but if you want to just speak about, you know, Hong Kong movies and cinema and television, and, you know, there's so many famous movies that um, I grew up watching. I grew up seeing and hearing Jackie Chan, you know, like all these things that that kind of pave the way for um, these famous actors as well. Um, but it's great for Americans too. Um, and I know like Hong Kong is definitely a destination that many Americans want to go to because English is one of the official languages, thanks to the British. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted everyone to know that just in case, you know, because you would have sometimes maybe someone might assume like, well, it's in China. I obviously like might not be able to speak my language there, but mm -hmm. you can. And that one, that's what makes, I think, Hong Kong so desirable and attractive as well. So. The most important, we're going to touch upon the, the national law that I spoke upon in the beginning, but I also want to say that the most important difference is that Hong Kong has their entire separate governing and economic system than of the mainland China. That's the key here. They are essentially a limited democracy living inside a communistic government. And that, that is, is fucking gnarly and it is, wild. It's unique. It's crazy. It's weird. It's strange. It's amazing. It feels like a rare gem that you find in like a, yeah. a pile of crap. Um, like I just, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I mean, I'm sure that they, that's how they feel is what I'm saying here. I don't, I don't feel like that. Um, so let's get just, this is just like a brief, you know, quick and dirty as Elena likes to say. Um, history yes. of how Hong Kong came under the British rule. So Hong Kong was surrendered to the British Empire, sorry, to the British, ending the first Opium War when China lost to the British. So in 1898, the, Britain was granted an additional 99 years rule over UK. So 99 years later would be 1997. However, in 1984, this is a little bit before the 1997, 99-year end, um, the British and Chinese signed a formal agreement that laid out the terms for the 1997 turnover when they would be handing Hong Kong back to China. So when 1997 came around, this is crazy, like I was born in the 90s and so it just feels like this was all happening when I was a little girl, like yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's bizarre, right? Yes. Um, so what these terms included was that it guaranteed to maintain Hong Kong different economical, political, and legal systems after the transfer. Keyword, after. It also developed 
the Hong Kong, it also had a further development of the Hong Kong political system with a goal, keyword goal, of a democratic <laughs> government. I just want to point out these like small words that mm-hmm. are very important. It's important. Here. So the goal was to eventually have a democratic government. Um, because of these terms, um, a constitutional constitutional document was drafted by a committee composed of members from Hong Kong and the mainland, which eventually became known as the Basic Law. I feel like I need like graphics to show how like all of these like bubbles <laughs> and arrows. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys, if I'm talking too fast, feel free to rewind. If not, I'll just let you guys know that things happened in the history. And then eventually they signed a document saying that Hong Kong would have to go back to China. However, once Hong Kong went back to China, they would still be essentially protected. Now, they are protected under basic law. This constitution entails many things, but the one key thing, the one key concept that it represented was called one country, two systems. Now, if you think about it, one country, China, and two systems, one under democratic government and one under a totalitarian government. Mm-hmm. So what does one country, two system means? Because it, can, it can be kind of like, wait, what's happening here? So to be specific, which I'm sure everyone knows their exact rights. I know <laughs> hearing this, you guys might understand most of it, obviously because of the democracy, but also because we get to experience a lot of this here in the United States. And so I think that's why it's such a big deal right now, because to lose these rights, I don't know how you guys would feel, but it it would kind of feel like the world would be ending for us, I would assume. Yeah. Um, it, would, it would take away what makes us inherently American. Yeah. And, and essentially kind of human in a way, I would think. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I might think very differently because I've grown up here, but and I'm sure people in Hong Kong who've grown up under the one country, two systems might feel the same way. So one country, two systems means that the governance and economic system practiced in mainland China does not, keyword, does not extend (laughs) to Hong Kong. Hong Kong will continue its capital system and way of life until 2047. So the problem is too here, the the key year being 2047, um, China doesn't want to wait until 2047. So things have been kind of happening. We'll get into this a little bit later. But I just want you guys to remember that 2047 is an important year for people of Hong Kong. Um, the basic law um, guarantees Hong Kong essentially a, a degree of high autonomy under Chinese rule, which is like super mind-blowing to me. Like I can't imagine this happening in like Russia, you know, like somewhere else mm-hmm. where it's just like, you're just, you're the exception. And how, right. how lucky are you to be born in Hong Kong and not in China, I guess, essentially. Um, but also like, what kind of jealousy does that breed if you're a mainland Chinese person or China, yeah. I was gonna say my mainland China, or I mean, a mainland Chinese person, like that sort of like, I'm looking at something not so close geographically, but like right over there is also a part of China, but I can't have those privileges if you will Mm -hmm. i agree and i'm sure there's many ways people have found their way to get there just like many people have found a way to get here um 
So high autonomy includes freedom of speech, the press and publication, association, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of religious belief, the freedom to strike, the freedom of marriage, um, political rights, the right to vote, the right to stand for election in accordance with law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no UK resident can be arbitrarily or unlawfully arrested, detained, imprisoned. And it goes on and on and on. I'm sure you guys know where I'm going and can totally relate because it is very similar to here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, um, moving on, now that you guys kind of have an idea of the layers that we are slowly peeling back here. The Hong Kong democracy is slightly different. They don't vote for their leader. Um, The chief executive is selected by a small community and approved by China. So China kind of always has their strings attached. They kind of always have a little bit of of a tug here, a little bit of a pull here, a little bit of a switch here, you know? Um, China's like big brother. Yeah, he's always watching little bro. Yep. And he (laughs) wants to make sure little bro's in his place. Right. Now, even though the chief executive is the head of the government, they don't make the laws. The laws are made at the legislative the laws are made at the legislative council also known as the legco with democratically elected representatives and this is where the people exercise their democracy um these the two main parties kind of like here um are pro democracy and pro china so actually this is a really fun fact which i didn't know but in every election pro democracy has won despite having less than half the seats in the LegCo. Oh, which, wow. Which really goes to show where this country stands as far as people, yeah. like, the, the, like the voting power of the people and what do the people want. Um, sorry, I'm like acting like one of them. You're good. Um, so they vote for 40 of the seats, right? But in the LegCo, there's 70 seats. Now you're thinking, where are the other 30 seats? The 30 seats are chosen by business communities, essentially corporations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the medical industry, the finance industry, also essentially China. Um, So big businesses, yeah, it's kind of the same with here. You know, we have so Mm -hmm. many corporations that have their interests, not in the people, but for their corporations, for Mm -hmm. their lobbying, for whatever they can benefit the most of, and not the people. Yeah, money and power are very closely linked. Right, exactly. Um, So, you know, the big businesses have a big incentive to be friendly with China, you know, because of money. Um, So also, you can also think of it, uh, essentially, you have pro one country and pro two systems. Um, If that kind of helps you understand a little bit more. So that's kind of the foundation that we've we've laid. I've laid the foundation. We're building a house here, y'all. Um, and now we're going to get into a little bit about the tensions that were rising, the mm. things that started being undercovered, um, incidents that started happening starting from the 2000s that ha- started having people in Hong Kong question China's motives, even though they it's, it's a signed document saying 2047. Um And we're going to get into a little bit of that, shall we? Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so there were a couple of incidents that uh, put Hong Kong on, I guess, the wrong side of China, if you will. First thing I'm going to talk about are anchor babies. So until 2012, the number of anchor babies in Hong Kong had been increasing. 
pregnant mainland women who were seeking to give birth in Hong Kong specifically to benefit the right uh, of abode and the right to use Hong Kong's public resources and social welfare in the city. Hong Kong citizens expressed concerns that these pregnant women and these anchor babies put a heavier burden on Hong Kong's medical system, sort of taxing the system more than one could say was it was already being taxed if you believe the system was being taxed. Some of them even call, some people also call the mainlanders quote-unquote locusts for taking away Hong Kong's resources from locals. So over 170,000 new births with both parents were mainlanders between 2001 to 2011. Wow. of which 32,653 were born in 2010. That is a huge number. Wow, that's a huge jump. Yeah. Um, so Sai Lung, who is a, a government official, the first public appearance on policy as chief executive elect was to impose a zero quota on mainland mothers giving birth in Hong Kong, basically taking this right away. Um Luing, L-E-U-N-G, am I pronouncing that right? Liang. Liang, sorry. Okay. Further underlined that those who did not or who did not uh, would not be able to secure the right of abode for their offspring in Hong Kong. So many of these anchor babies crossed the border to attend schools. There's approximately 28,000 anchor babies, which I think is such a terrible un-PC term, just saying. I know. Oh, they, uh... They do a daily border cross and to attend school in Hong Kong, but they live in mainland China. So you can sort of. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah, you can also sort of see why mainlanders would be contemptuous of Hong Kong in this way. Mm -hmm. So there's also an anti-mainland motion. So in November of 2015, on November 19th, an anti-mainland legislation motion was introduced in the Legislative Council by lawmaker Claudia Mo, but it was voted down with 19 in favor and 34 supporting. The motion sought to defend local history and culture from the influence of mainland China, essentially saying mainland China cannot come in and rewrite the history and culture of Hong Kong. Or Hong Kong's history and culture cannot be erased and replaced with Chinese or mainland culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Supporters argue that mainlandization would lead to more counterfeit and fake products, which feels very racist to me, Uh, rampant corruption and the abuse of power, while Hong Kong risks becoming another mainland city, essentially being absorbed by China, mainland China altogether. Opponents of the motion agreed that the motion was seeing different cultures with a narrow perspective and intended to split the Chinese nation and create the conflict. So it's essentially laying a semi-foundation for what's now really, what's happening right now and really ramping up. So this brings us to essentially last year, where we know that the Hong Kong protests were going down, or at least we were aware that the Hong Kong protests were going down. So on June 16th in 2019, several mass protests took place during mid-2019 against a proposed extradition bill perceived as allowing dissents to be arbitrarily transferred to mainland China, including a march that was claimed by organizers to have a total of 2 million people. That is a quarter of Hong Kong's population on June 16th. So essentially, Hong Kong took to the streets. 
and protested hardcore. Mm -hmm. Throughout the summer and autumn, clashes between police and protesters continue to occur. And due to the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, mass protests have not been organized as of March 15th. So because of these, because of COVID and the inability to protest, the fighting for these rights has essentially stopped as of March 15th. Mm-hmm. And then some people went missing. So let's talk about some of these abductions of people in Hong Kong. Um which were thought to be acted upon by mainland authorities. So mainland authorities have made multiple attempts to abduct people in Hong Kong and to bring them to the mainland. And this started in 2015. So on May 26th of 2015, Gu Zing, wow, Zhu Hang. <laughs> I think I pronounced that right. I'm, I'm just going to try it with, it with bravery. And, and if I'm wrong... Cut in and and please correct me. Uh, so Gu Zhu Hang, who was the owner of Sing Pao Daily News, was abducted or was sorry, was almost abducted by mainland authorities after landing at Hong Kong International Airport. While at the Regal Hotel, Gu said that more than 20 mainland authorities with firearms attempted to attempted to extradite him to the mainland. He resisted until hotel security guards called airport police to assist him. Hong Kong police confirmed the incident and then released the suspects due to, quote, insufficient evidence. That feels very much like a thing that would go down here in the United States. Lee Bao, yeah. who is a staff member of a popular bookstore called Causeway Bay Books, was abducted several months later in December of 2015 and brought to Zhenzhen. Shenzhen. Shenzhen. Yes, good job. Okay. Oh, thank you. The Hong Kong Immigration Department had no record of Lee having left Hong Kong. Again, that feels very fishy, very weird, Brianna Taylory, um, meaning that he was brought across the border without going through normal border patrol. Essentially, he was smuggled in. Right. And then in another incident, about a year later in January of 2017, Zhao Zhuhei, a businessman, was abducted from the Four Seasons Hotel in Hong Kong and brought to the mainland. So essentially, people started going missing in 2015. People that were responsible for essentially the dissemination of information that perhaps China was not happy with. Right. Perhaps China didn't agree with certain thoughts that were being disseminated for the people of Hong Kong to read and possibly absorb. And they felt like the best way to take uh, matters into their own hands was to steal those people that were essentially... Uh, responsible for creating or disseminating said information. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think the fear is that, you know, Hong Kong stands for so much. And I think we all know, sorry, I don't say we, but most people either in China or from China or from around Asia know that things you mentioned, um, you know, there is the black organ black market in China. Mm. So there is the, um, exotic animal market in China. There is the fake medicine, fake food, fake everything in China. Um, there are people getting abducted um, all the time in China. And so there is just so much known um, about China that Hong Kong fears will start to make its way into Hong Kong as Hong Kong becomes more like the mainland. That is the ultimate scare, not the ultimate, but one of the scares and the truth is that it has been happening and also correct me if i'm wrong they're also now trying to police not just free speech and freedom of press now they're policing language 
Yes. Correct. So under the basic law of Hong Kong, Chinese and English, like I mentioned before, are the official languages. However, in reality, Mandarin is increasingly given more importance. I understand in terms of business, um, in terms of schooling, because there is like a written language for, for Mandarin, um, which I think Cantonese can be read through writing Mandarin, but I'm not sure if there's a formal written language for Cantonese, not that I hmm. know of. Interesting. Um, Cantonese is a much older language than Chinese, so, so than Mandarin. It is so beautiful. Oh, it is so um, musical and gorgeous. There are so many um, scripts and, and, and old texts that can only make sense if you read it in Cantonese. Mm. Um, so uh, the as of May 2018, the Education Bureau of Hong Kong stated that Cantonese is a dialect and thus cannot be considered a mother tongue language. Mm. Um, this caused an uproar in Hong Kong and it was seen that downgrading Cantonese in favor of Mandarin as the majority of Hong Kong people speak Cantonese as their first language. So me being able to speak Mandarin, I've, we've always considered, most people that I've known have considered that if you either know Mandarin or Cantonese, you know, you will be fine almost anywhere in China. Um, you Because those are the universal languages that you're able ah. to speak. Um, but I think because Hong Kong being so, Cantonese being so inherently part of Hong Kong, to release a statement like that, or to continuously push Mandarin, look, Mandarin's never going to go away. You know what I mean? No. Like, right. never. It is. It is the the official universal language. Mm-hmm. But it's to, like Spanish. It's right up there with Spanish. Yeah, like it's just not going to go away. Period. You know. So mm-hmm. it's like saying English is going to go away. It's not going to go away. You know. Mm-hmm. You can if you travel the world, you will see. If you don't travel the world, if you travel the states, you will see that you can get by with English. Obviously, American tourism is very important, and yes, there are places that cater to being able yeah. to speak English for that reason. Absolutely. If you look at the countries that accept American passports, you'll <sighs> understand why English is not leaving. Um, so I think to downgrade the Cantonese language like that almost felt like their own government, you know, is obviously favoring China. Um, and obviously because there are other interests that are involved that are not spoken of. Um, so we touched upon, you know, this is just a couple of the things we decided to pull out for you guys, let you know, kind of the scary things that have been happening. Um, you know, the protests, I mean, Hong Kong is known for protests. They protested in 2003 um, to fight legislation that would have punished speaking out against China. Hello, here we are again. Um, in 2014, tens, and th- tens of thousands of protesters occupied the city for, for weeks to protest China's influence over Hong Kong elections, also known as the umbrella protesters. It's actually really pretty because they're protecting themselves from the tear gas. Um, so you can kind of see like this theme of just this continuous conflict between Hong Kong wanting to maintain and stay as Hong Kong, but China wanting to absorb Hong Kong. And it's it starts to get really muddled, kind of like here, <laughs> where you have your own government kind of backs it feels like your own government is backstabbing you for their interests you know yeah oh absolutely um, so it's 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 really unfortunate um so now that you guys all know alana and i kind of spoke about it's a lot of it's a lot of you know down it's like a big downer right cuz it kinda kind just of just feels like hong kong has no way out um, yeah, 
right? Like they're either at the mercy of this huge force, which they have already been slowly infiltrating and taking Mm -hmm. over. Um, I don't know if, you know, similar to here where politicians are bought. Um, And now we have this national law, which... Yep. Really, I think this national law represents the greatest threat to their human rights. Right. Like, it really does. Um, So, it really is a blow to their autonomy completely. So, what is this national law? (laughs) Let's go over it really quick. We're going to also do a quick and dirty version because there is 66 articles in the, um, the national law. So... There's this, there's this great um, article on Quora, which um, I really like Quora. Um, Veronique, I'm assuming she's French. She is a scholar. She wrote, China's new law over Hong Kong is definitely, in bold letters, intended to end Hong Kong. It is intended to drag Hong Kong, kicking and screaming, into the totalitarian regime that is the people's actually the party's republic actually dictatorship of china which is kind of funny um so on the 1st of july 2020 china passed a new security law for hong kong it consists of 30 66 articles like i said however these are the important ones article one criminalizes cessation which means independence of hong kong you're criminalizing the independence of hong kong which isn't it supposed to be independent until 2047? Unless I'm mistaken. Um, subversion, which means political protests. So they had the right to be able to strike and speak and, and freedom of speech and freedom of thought. And now they can't. Um, terrorism, which means damage to government buildings, which during the political protest, they damaged government buildings. Um, collusion with foreign elements, which means publishing reports in Western media, which is also freedom of thought, freedom of speech, um, so much that this just this article one criminalizes and allows people to be sent to prison for life, which you don't want to be in a prison in China. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen documentaries in, chi- in prisons in China. I don't know if they allow it, but there is they're essentially like slaves. Um, I don't want to be in a prison anywhere. Right. Seriously. Thanks. Um, So Article 29 criminalizes any undermining of the sovereignty, unification, or and territorial integrity of the People's Republic of China, which means any resistance against Chinese imperialism. There is so much there. It is loaded. This new national law is loaded with essentially slapping these Hong Kong people in the face and saying, hey, you're under our rule now. Um, Article 38 applies the law to offenses committed outside of Hong Kong's special administrative region by a person who is not a permanent resident of the region, which is scary because anyone, anywhere, it could be me, it could be, well, it could be you, especially our nationality, criticizes the new laws of Hong Kong. Um could be arrested. And if she or he steps foot in Hong Kong, then she can be kidnapped. You know, like, I think what she is saying is that they, 
she is to the degree of what she's saying really goes to show that, um, you know, this, this law really, um, I think China finally put their foot down and said, you know, um, after 2019, I think they had enough, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that also it's important to note that when this law first attempted to be passed, um, the law detailed things like secession and subversion and colluding with foreign powers and terrorist activity. But the problem with the security law was that it was quite broad mm-hmm. and laws that are broad are always really dangerous because people then wonder what they can and cannot do. And so yeah. on first onset, they didn't necessarily define succession. They didn't necessarily define subversion. And so people were like, well, okay, what does succession mean in terms of finding my own independence within this law? Right. What constitutes a terrorist activity? Um, What? I didn't even know. Like when I was actually looking up this national law, uh, because obviously she breaks it down so nicely for us, but I had to look these words up specifically so I could understand exactly what they entailed. Right. And imagine being someone in Hong Kong with this law dropping and going, what well then what the fuck can I do? I've been a part of yeah. an autonomous system for so long. What are my rights now? Right. And that lack of clarity, I would assume, was very purposeful. I don't think that lack of clarity was by accident. No. I think the lack of clarity was to keep people wondering, to keep people essentially trapped. And the motive behind that law is to intimidate people mm-hmm. and to keep them from not speaking out. I think um I think we would be also sort of remiss to 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 not mention that this law was in, went into effect at, at night. PM. Right. Just like, hi, guys, by the way, you guys are all sleeping. Um, but when you wake up, <laughs> hello, here's here's the new here's the new law. Well, right. But it went into effect at 11 p.m. on June 30th, mm-hmm. which is the day an hour before one of the most important national holidays in Hong Kong, yep. which is J- July 1st, which is historically been a day of protest because right. that was the day that Britain handed over Hong Kong back to China. So you're dropping this law that's all about you can't organize, Sneaky. you can't protest, you can't have freedom of thought and freedom of the press an hour before a national holiday where that sort of organization happens. It's so and sneaky. Like, oh, absolutely. And that original protest that led to the first security law being blocked also happened on July 1st of 2003. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, well, here we are again. This is history repeating itself. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine if you live in Hong Kong, you're this is not the way it's, quote unquote, supposed to be, especially if you're a young person living in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I want to I want to thank you for touching on that because go for it. The young people of Hong Kong are the first generation to be born under one country, two systems. If you're born in 1997 and on, which is many people. Um, like if it was me, I would have, it, it probably one of me, it, I could have, you know, I imagine it being as me, you are the one that's going to be, this is the biggest group that is going to be the most affected because they're going to be living most of their lives in this space of Hong Kong is no longer Hong Kong. I am literally seeing with my eyes and also not being able to see the things that mainland China are starting to take over. Um, by 2047, these 
this young generation, which also were at the forefront of the two, all of the 2009 or the entire 2019 protesters, I mean, millions and millions of young people fighting for their freedom, you know, they are only going to be 50 yeah. when 2047 rolls around. Can you imagine being 50 Definitely. and all of a sudden you have tanks in your streets you are told what you can watch, what you can eat, what you can say. And if you decide to say otherwise, you could die. You know, like yes. people don't consider that 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 what the young people say and do literally today, right this minute will affect themselves and others and their kids in the future. Yeah, it's I'm glad that you used the word die because Zhang Xiaoming at the press conference about this new law, he um, told a parable, the sword of Democles. Have you heard of this? No. So he he relayed this parable about a man who wants to be king and the king lets this this hopeful king sit on his throne. But there's a sword hanging above the throne and it's being held in place by a single horse's hair. And so the idea, right. And so the idea of the parable is that the the hopeful king no longer wants to sit in the throne because he's like, no, I could die if I take on this kind of power. Mm. I would rather just walk away in terror and never um, actually take the power of king. And I, I can only think that Zhang Xiaoping, Zhang Xiaoming, excuse me. Xi Jinping. Um, Xi Jinping, sorry. <laughs> I know, um, it's okay. Uh, quoted this parable because I think he wanted to instill fear in the people of Hong Kong because essentially Democles in this parable is Democles are all the people of Hong Kong. The king is China and the sword is security law, if you will. Mm. And so, it, yeah, it forces, it's like a, yeah, just it, like, it forces, like an invisible sword, right? At your neck at all times. However, yes, that definitely is it. But also in this parable, it's a very visible sword. It's a very... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wonder where... I mean, because even when this article dropped, I mean, even Carrie Lam, who's the executive of Hong Kong, she didn't know what to make of it. Yeah. And she wasn't quite sure of which way to go with this law. So it is very much mirroring where we are now, which is leadership is incredibly important in this time. And if your own personal leadership, that being the leadership of Hong Kong is like, I don't know what to make of this law. What are the people of Hong Kong supposed to make of this law? Right. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I think there are so many correlations of what we can take from what's happening there to what's happening here. You know, the fact yeah. that if you are actually in the wrong place at the wrong time, mm -hmm. You know, there are people getting away with murder every day here Literally. in America. Literally. And some these people who are getting away with murder are our government. And so I think and and not obviously, obviously just other random murderers. But um, I had to touch that. I was like, all the murderers are governments. No. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, we don't do many international um, shows on here. A lot of what Alana and I talk about on Black and Yellow um, most of the time are things that are affecting people of color, marginalized groups, um, you know, intersectionality. Um, here in the know, United States. Here in the United States, because that is our, our lived experience. That is our stories. And I think it doesn't make sense for us to want to share with you guys what we've been through. But I do think we also have many international listeners, which I'm so, so, so grateful for you guys, um, to kind of open up our eyes and expand our brains a little bit, because we do kind of have this 
this thing here in America where it's like, yeah, we're number one. Yeah, we're badass. Yeah, like America is the best country. We rule. Go Trump. But we forget that ultimately what Alana and I always kind of like go to is like, well, we're also like the same people. And I think in order to understand and to be more open um, about humanity is to also open our eyes and see that what is happening over there could very well happen here. You know, I don't know how, I don't know when, maybe me and you will be dead already, but it could happen. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, with Donald Trump sitting in office, I feel like shit can get shifty and squirrely at a moment's notice, especially going into our election in November 2020 and having plenty of thoughts and conversations about like, you know, what happens, not necessarily what happens if Donald Trump loses, because if he refuses to hand over power, that's when the Secret Service, I would assume, comes in. And once a president is an incumbent president, Secret Service needs to get you out to bring the actual president in. So I think this idea of like, what will happen if Donald Trump doesn't hand over the power, I'm less worried about and more worried about how he will get shifty beforehand mm -hmm. to sway the vote and take power and voice and choice away from people. Yeah, right. But I, I do think there are a lot of similarities happening um, in Hong Kong and here with the protesting and the condemnation of what what China calls dissenters, right. what I would call people speaking their voice and protesting. Right. Uh, and I, I see that start crossover with like the federal agents that have taken up posts in Portland and are scooping yeah. up protesters in unmarked vehicles, it's not reading them their Miranda rights. Crazy. And, and and essentially arresting them for speaking out and protesting. And this is obviously Donald Trump's way of flexing his power and taking away the right to free speech, which very much is what's happening in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. It's um, prepping for this episode made me think of the George Orwell novel 1984, mm. um, that, that dystopian novel yeah. for, the, for those of you who may or may not have read it. Depressing. Um, so depressing. Yes. But in a way, it's um, it, it made me think of the thought policing that happens in that novel mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. think poll for for those of you who might not have read it. Think poll are the thinking police or the thought police. And because that's a lot of what's happening in Hong Kong right now. I mean, protesters who have it, Hong Kong independence flags in their backpack, not even unfurled for the world yeah, to see. Right, you, they could find that and be like, "Hey, you're speaking yeah. out against our against our country, and yeah. we, we're going to take you're you." You're being arrested, and like yeah. a flag unfurled is a thought not yet thought and uh -huh. made public. So, in that regard, you're absolutely police, policing the way that people are aligning their political thoughts and views, and the way that they choose to express themselves. And right. I think when thought policing becomes the thing that essentially takes over, I think that we are really in a whole other load of danger. Yeah. Because when thought policing takes over, it removes someone's human right to be able to think objectively. Right. And if we right. can't think for ourselves away from the influence of someone else, that's when the real... I, dare I say, brainwashing starts. I think of some place like North Korea, for instance. Yeah. I hate to sort of say that, but like that's where I couldn't, like we can't allow thought police to take over because we don't want North Korea to happen to Hong Kong. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, when I was in China, there was this sense that 
Um, I was in, I, I, I went to Shenzhen, which is actually next to Hong Kong. Um, oh. But the feel I got there was that there was something robotic about people. Mm. Like, you know, we, yes, the cultures are very different. Um, we, we here do promote autonomy, self-actualization, um, innovation, you know, all that stuff. And, and I think when you are brainwashed into believing that being one, you know, um, is, is the way of life then, and, and maybe you feel the benefits and maybe it has been beneficial. Um, but maybe you never get to experience democracy. Um, and I think that's why Hong Kong is such a big deal is because they've lived under this for so long and to be able to then, I don't know, I think of almost like you have to take a, a, a your brain out and like put a new brain in because it is really hard to go yeah. from one to the other, especially if you're forced to, especially if you have a knife at your throat, especially if you have no choice. You know, like if there are people who went to China fell in love, married a mainlander, had a family, all is good. They're well, like that's a different story. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. when you are put under these pressures and these, um, what do you call it? Corrupt, you know, these people who don't have your best interests. And that's kind of in a way, what I feel here is that like mm -hmm. our government is not looking out for us they haven't been looking for out for us. They haven't been looking out for Black Americans. Nope. And they probably won't. And that may be a very pessimistic view right now based on what we're in. But I have to look out for myself. I have to look out for the people that I love. You know? And Jackie, that is not pessimistic. Our <laughs> U.S. government has never looked out for Black people. That is an honest, rooted in yeah. reality assertion. Right. They, they, they only cared about Asian Americans when we made them look good. You know, when, when or we made them money. Right. Exactly. When we upped their statistics and up to their numbers and made their colleges look good because of our good grades, because of our culture. Like it just goes to show like anywhere you go, you will just have to really look at things. It takes some time. But when you kind of can start to see the truths that are happening and that everything is connected, what's happening in China and Hong Kong is connected to here somehow, somewhere, you know, and I think. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, I tried to to find a, to figure out a bridge to sort of connect what's happening there and what's happening here. And, and the only thing that came to mind was cancel culture mm. here in the United States and how cancel culture, while we might not be policing your thought in terms of you, Jackie, you must think X, Y, and Z, we do force a certain amount of conformity in the thoughts that people choose to make public and the language that they choose to use. Yeah. And if we as a mass go, no, it's not cool to be X, Y, or Z. Like it's not cool to be homophobic. It's not cool to be racist. It's not cool to be sexist. We will immediately cancel you. Mm -hmm. And while I am on the, the, the side of you shouldn't be racist, you shouldn't be homophobic. You shouldn't be ageist. You shouldn't be sexist. I could also see how certain people would think, well, isn't cancel culture the same as thought policing? Mm. Which to me, the answer is no, but it is a valid argument. Right, right, right. But that was the only thing I could think to like sort of bridge the two worlds. Yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate. Um, I think my question now here is like, okay, you're in this state, this new national law has passed. What do you do as a citizen 
as a pedestrian, as anyone of, uh, of, of Hong Kong, a mother, a father, a daughter, a student, a, a young person. Um, and we know that there are many countries, which was also in a way tense because there are so many threats that have been happening between China and America. Um, and I think China now is kind of been at the forefront of things because of this coronavirus. Um, but I know Australia has said they are considering, um, you know, becoming an ally of Hong Kong. I know this is awesome. And the <laughs> I think China released a statement saying that uh, the UK better be careful for meddling in their internal affairs. Um, but the UK did released a statement saying that they would allow um, 3 million people, um, which is a nice, amount of people, to, is a nice amount of people, to come into the UK and apply for citizenship. Um, yeah. I know Taiwan um, has a place um, to keep some Hong Kong people safe. I know um, the US um, also backs Hong Kong, especially, I know, Trump and China have, have been going at it for his entire presidency. Um, <laughs> Even beforehand. Right, right. So I think there, I think Hong Kong does have allies. Um, but honestly, I think we talked about this before and we were kind of getting to the root of this because we were wondering how we could end the show on, on a note of, you know, of, of what you could actually do. Because, you know, we do like to have a, a, an actionable um, ending, which I would I would do my best to get out of there. Like I would pack my bags Ooh. and go. <laughs> Ooh, girl, I'm I'm happy you said it before I did because in the process of prepping this episode, there were many times where I had to check my Americanness and be like, "Well, just leave Hong Kong," and then and and feeling self conscious because I was like, "Well, is that flippant of me to say when, you know, if we're talking about young people specifically, like if their social networks and families and friends, if if Hong Kong is all they know." while I am with you, like leave Hong Kong, nothing is the most important thing is your thought and your autonomy and, and, and pursuing the beliefs that you hold so true. Is it flippant to say like, get out of Hong Kong to preserve that when culturally, you know, the Americanness in me is like, Oh, get out to preserve yourself. But we've talked about culturally on this show, like family unit social structures are incredibly important yeah in that, asian culture that would be my biggest thing is that like they would suffer they would live a life of immense suffering for the sake of also fighting for their country for the sake of trying to preserve hong kong i mean mm-hmm. not wanting to leave you know their parents who may be what if you're 50 your parents might be 75 by then <sighs> You know, like you can't just uproot and go. And so maybe you wait for them to pass. But then by then you may have kids and you need connections and you need money. And it's like my mom immigrated from two countries. Like she told me how much it took and she got really lucky. But but it takes a toll, you know, and and it does feel like immigrating or leaving or fleeing feels kind of outdated. Right. Because we're like, to me, it kind of feels like it (laughs) happened in the past. Like, oh, my pa- you know what I mean? Like my parents left hmm. Vietnam, my parents left whatever during the Cold War, like uh. all this stuff that I think we feel like because we're in the 21st century, like that doesn't happen anymore because all the people that would have left or should have left already did. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so like, I'm trying to imagine and putting myself in a, in a very dangerous position where my reality is 
one of extreme danger and that I do need to leave and I do need to flee because Mm -hmm. that reality existed for many people post-war pre-war, during the Cold War, during, you know, fear of of the com- of communism, all of that happened, you know, especially with like Vietnam and, and, you know, French and the Vietnam War, like all this stuff. So uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that would be like my first go-to. Um, and then, you know, seeing, I guess, seeing what you could do to maybe to, to really fight for your country and, and, and stand firm in, in not letting that happen. Um, as much as you yeah. can. I mean, you have what, 27 years, you said, right? Until 2040. Yeah, yeah obviously 2020. <laughs> 20. <laughs> can't do math. Um, 20, yeah, 27 years. And, um, you know, maybe things will be different. So. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a believer that the Underground Railroad never actually went away. We just oh, don't call sure. it the Underground Railroad anymore. Oh, but the. Absolutely. The, the essence of that, right? The essence of going from one place that is suffocating your quality of life, your way of living, your way of thinking, and good people helping you safely get to a place that's much safer and a place where you can thrive. I think that the notion of that is still around today. Oh, I just yeah. wonder what that is internationally. Right. I think that, like, I think I, I think you touched on something really cool. It's like, I feel like that web you know, mm-hmm. that like that web of connection where we've seen, you know, like whether you pay someone for a green card, whether yeah. you marry someone, whether you do go somewhere and end up having a kid there so they can have citizenship. So you can somehow get citizenship through your kid, whether yeah. it is that you formulate a plan for 10 years to get out. Like I've heard so many stories and I know people mm-hmm. who have been through that, that I think ultimately if you want to get out, you'll be able to get out. Yeah. And just like, I feel like Americans are very critical of people that use babies in marriage to get out of bad situations. And what I would say to that is, if you are an American who has ever lived on American soil and has only ever had the privileges of America, you don't know how bad it is somewhere else. Like we are land of the free, home of the brave. It is incredibly easy to to criticize people that have fled in ways that you deem, um, you know, uh, not right. Right. I'll use that in air quotes because what is right to one is right, is not right to someone else. But, um, having just a ton of compassion moving forward. I feel like as Americans, we can't actually do anything, but we can be compassionate and we Mm -hmm. can be understanding and we can, Fuck, if you know about some international underground railroad and you have people in Hong Kong that you can give that information to, slip it to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure people are thinking of ways to to get out and they're thinking about it now, you know, especially with what just happened, especially because they can't speak, they can't write, they can't say, they can't protest, they can't do any of this stuff, and especially with coronavirus, like... I mean, I have my own conspiracy theories about coronavirus as well, which we could have another episode that could get really interesting. Um, But maybe, you know, we'll we'll do some mushrooms before we get on air with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or drop some acid. No, I'm just kidding. But you'll never know. Um, But but yeah, I think think you're absolutely right is is also, you know, understanding, learning, um, recognizing more than ever that during this time is that like we are, guys, I can't stress enough, like, stress this enough that we are all connected mm-hmm. like there's been so many things that happened in the u.s this year alone that shows 
that we need compassion, that we need equality, that we are all one because things cannot be going the way that they're going anymore. They just can't. Um, And so I think you said it well. It's just, you know, know that what is happening to someone across the world can very well and is happening to you. It it sounds a little meta and a little like out there, but that is my belief. And, Mm -hmm. and if you don't believe in that, then I think that's totally okay. But the more we can go work on this path of unification, even internationally, you know, we will be better. Especially internationally. Yeah. I think. Especially with what's, what's, with what's going on, because we clearly saw that coronavirus does not discriminate. Coronavirus had more outbreaks in Italy than in China, which is really Mm -hmm. weird. The, Mm -hmm. where, where it originated had actually less, less cases than where maybe people say that it went to Italy. Like, anyways, that's, I'm running, I'm going on a tangent, but. (laughs) That's okay. Um, I'm just connecting the dots. Can I take us out on a great George Orwell quote that I found that I think. Please do. Would be a great way to end this. uh, For anyone that maybe is feeling uh, uh, like an island unto themselves. (laughs) Yes. So uh, George Orwell said this, and I think just, just take it with you. He says, quote, being in a minority even a minority of one did not make you mad. Mm. There was truth and there was untruth. And if you clung to the truth, even against the world, you were not mad. End quote. Mm. Ooh, I got chills. Me too, actually. (laughs) Uh, So that's our episode, guys. We would love to know your thoughts on this episode. Love to hear from you if you have any sort of personal attachments to this. We are building our Black and Yellow community, our Black and Yellow nation. It's not just national, it's international. It is. Um, So yeah, reach out to us with your thoughts. We are on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast. If you want to email us, if you've got more than a, a DM's worth of feedback, podcast at podcast black and yellow <laughs> at gmail.com well that gets wonky in the brain uh or it you can does. talk to us individually on instagram i am alana webster at renegade of fun i am jacqueline chung young on the gram um we really appreciate you guys listening you know this episode really was dedicated from the perspective of of, of what is happening in hong kong you know i can't speak about what's happening in communist China, because A, that's not something I'm super familiar with. B, I'm not sure it aligns completely with my views, but I just want people out there to understand if you are feeling kind of funny and weird, you know, this is from the perspective of the people in Hong Kong and what they're experiencing. So I just want to put it out there because of political reasons. Um, but yeah, we hope you guys really enjoyed this. Um, I blinked out. Did you say, did you speak about rating and reviewing us? I did not. No, I did Okay, not. guys. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes our our outros are like so, uh, what do you call it? We're so used to our outros, y'all, that we just, I just want to make sure that I'm not missing yeah. out on any information. But if you like this episode of Black and Yellow, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify. Um, let us know what you think. It would just be such a joy to let us know what you're thinking, how you enjoy the show, comment and DM us so we can keep sharing this you guys um, with you guys and other people um, because it's ultimately what brings us most joy and uh, and we love to put a smile on your face. So, um, have sure. with that have a wonderful day or night or wherever you are in the world. Um, <laughs> Hong Kong, you're in our hearts and in our prayers. We're thinking about you. Yep. 
All right, guys, until next week. Bye. Bye-bye.